My name is David Hernandez, and you're listening to As the Pokeball Turns. Welcome to As the Pokeball Turns. Our journey takes us to Canada, where we meet a Canadian woman obsessed with making Pokemon-themed food. Starting in Pokemon Yellow, she has remained dedicated to the franchise throughout Pokemon's history. Eventually, her love for Pokemon met her interest in baking back in 2016, where she would attempt to make an entire dex of Pokemon cupcakes. Today, she has branched out into other parts of baking, including snow cones, cocoa bombs, and so much more. But how did this mix of Pokemon and baking come together? Only one way to find out. Here's her origin story into the world of Pokemon. This is Cupcake Dex. Today, I'm joined by someone who will make your favorite Pokemon look absolutely a delicious Cupcake Dex. Welcome to the show. Hey, David. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Without a doubt. And the honor is honestly all mine because I'm deep down, I'm a foodie. And I always oh, love yeah. the idea. Oh, yeah. And I always love the idea of Pokemon and food coming together. Like, yes. I feel like there should be a Pokemon bakery or restaurant somewhere. If there is, it needs to be right? in the U.S. or Canada the, since you're from the, the Canada. The absolute tragedy of it all is it's only in Japan currently. But we got to get it here someday, right? At least in North mm-hmm. America. If not Canada, I think we should be here in Canada. I'm not biased at all as a Canadian. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. Hey, I mean, I don't mind going to Canada. I hear y'all are good people up there. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that. We welcome you here. Come to the land of the maple syrup and hockey. Yes, maple syrup. You got me sold on maple syrup. <laughs> yes, perfect. So you said there was a bakery in Japan. So have you ever been there? Or have you researched it? I have researched it extensively. I have not actually been. The dream is to go. I went in Japan. And I went to Japan with my now wife, Miss Editor, in 2017. And right before we went, they announced there's going to be a a Pokemon cafe opening up four months after our visit there. So forever, we were so sad that we had missed this opportunity. And now we are going to Japan for our honeymoon. And we are definitely going. I am so, so excited. Oh, I'm very excited. I I can imagine you're probably going to be visiting. And are you going to try everything on the menu? Like, do you have ideas of what you're going to try out? I ooh, they they change their menu seasonally, so it's going to be really fun getting to choose what we want. And plus, there's the cafe, and then there's also the bakery. So I'm just going to have to eat a whole bunch of Pokemon foods. Uh, it sounds terrible, I know, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that brings up the question. I wonder if there's like Pokemon vegetarians in the Pokemon universe. You know, like what would they be called? Oh, Poketarians. Poketarians. Right? <laughs> hey, if you're a Poketarian, shout out. Tag me on Twitter. <laughs> Well, Cupcake Dicks, first I want to talk about your experience with Pokemon. So when did you first start getting interested in Pokemon? I am a day one fan. I was like in grade school when Pokemon first came out and I started seeing kids with Game Boys during recess. I had no idea what a Game Boy is. I didn't know what a Pokemon was. I wasn't allowed to watch TV shows during the week, so I wasn't introduced to Pokemon anime until my best friend in the whole wide world was like, Cupcake Dicks, come over to my house. 
I got the N64 games, I got the anime, I got it all. And once she introduced me, I was absolutely hooked. And I continue to be a huge Pokemon freak from early grade school and a high school, through college, into adulthood. The whole nine yards never stopped. And I became known as the person in the friend group who's just always into Pokemon. And if you let her talk, she will talk your ear off about Pokemon, if allowed. Only <laughs> <laughs> so you were very passionate about Pokemon growing up throughout the years. Like you never took any breaks. That's impressive. There's not many people no. who've done that. Yeah, no, it was uh, embarrassing in high school. It was definitely a thing I hid at the time. But then it all comes around again and started to be cool again in college. So I didn't have to hide and I actually got to talk with people and not just my online Pokemon friends, but real people in the real world. Which was another exciting element because in high school, I was like that real loner, lonely kid who didn't have a lot of friends. But I went to the internet and I made a whole bunch of amazing friends who I'm still in touch with and still good friends with to this day online in Pokemon forums, if you can believe it. I'm a forum baby. And like that was how I like kept that passion alive. At the time, I was so excited about Pokemon pixel art and spriting and also Pokemon fanfiction. So what kind of fan fiction would you write? Not a lot. <laughs> I'm a writer at heart, but one who always struggled with inspiration. So I wrote some short form. Uh, They're called one shots in the fanfic world. These short stories, mostly about like humans and Pokemon, their relationships, their bonds, like Pokemon sort of growing up and like their different experiences. I always thought that that was such an interesting element. I often wasn't really writing about, like, canon characters, but, like, what's the story of, like, this one lonely Magikarp who wants to become a Gyarados? Are you the Canadian version of me? Because that's literally the same fan fiction I used to write when I was growing up. Stop! What? Yes. Say more! Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so when a fan fiction, I would look into, like, stories of Pokemon because I felt like there was more depth to it, and I would try to explore the relationships with not just one Pokemon, but, like, one of the stories I had was taking place in Viridian Forest, and it was supposed to be like a war that was taking place in a Caterpie that refused to evolve <gasps> kind of thing. Heck yes. What? Yeah. That's awesome. I know. That's what <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is literally, I feel like I'm not, I know I'm not interviewing myself, but I feel like I'm almost aiming interviewing myself here. <laughs> that's so funny. I love that. There's not a lot of us like Pokemon fanfic people out there these days. I feel like Pokemon fanfiction, it was always a bit of a niche, oh, but yeah. especially nowadays, it's very interesting seeing how fandom has has changed and what gets prioritized. It's become very, very visual. So the fan artists will always still be the biggest, but now you have video creators and, you know, vloggers and event people. But like fan fiction kind of remains this niche that's off to the side that like doesn't really get explored, especially because unfortunately fan fiction has a very bad reputation for not always having great quality. But the reality is that's all forms of art. No matter what you're doing, there will always be people who are trying out for the first time, making so-so kind of art. And then you have people at the top who are making this, like, absolutely amazing content that, like, you know, then goes viral and gets the most views. And then you have a lot of people who are just in the middle, you know, talented mm -hmm. and amazing and are probably never going to really get their dues. Now, what was your favorite generation to play out of all the ones you've played so far? Oh, man. It's an interesting question, actually. Gen 2 remains my favorite generation, but more so Johto as opposed to Gold and Silver specifically. So Heart Gold and Soul Silver just have such a special place in my heart. Even though I started with Pokemon Yellow, Gold, Silver, Crystal were always my favorites to play because I, I just fell in love with the Johto region. 
So any opportunity to go back there, I'm kind of hoping for Pokemon, you know, let's go Togepi or Pokemon Legends Celebi. Just give me, just give me some more Johto. I would love that. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> Otherwise, Pokemon Legends Arceus was also such a phenomenal game. I would love another one in that series. It was just so fun to play, a really fun break from everything else. I hope we get more like that. I, I love it when Pokemon breaks the mold a little bit because it's such a fun world and there's so many fun ways to play with it. What's your favorite Pokemon? Ooh, to this day, it kind of remains a tie between Mewtwo and Mew. I saw that first Pokemon movie in theaters as a kid, oh. cried my eyes out. It was a formative moment. And to this day, I absolutely love Mewtwo and Mew. But as a Pokemon baker, I also just love Alchemy. She's such a little sweetheart. Oh my gosh. Ugh. I have way too many Alchemy plushies. Do you remember what card you got when you went to the Pokemon movie? Because they used to give out some promo cards, yeah. right? I didn't get Mewtwo. I was so disappointed. I remember getting that Flying Dragonite card, which was very cute, which I came mm. to appreciate a lot more with time because, gosh, Dragonite is adorable. <laughs> in spite of it. I don't know. I still, yeah, in spite of people not liking it because it calls from Dratini. I think people were hoping more of like Dragonair kind of thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a goofy dragon, but gosh darn it, Dragonite is our goofy dragon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love about Pokemon First Movie, I loved when they had the scene where Mew was the bubble. And I think, it, no, it was, I'm sorry, it was the bubble, but it was also trying to go up the windmill. It would That's... just play a game going down. And it'd be like, Mew! I knew Mew. exactly what you were talking about when you said favorite scene. I was like, it's going to be the Mew bubble with the windmill. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's adorable. You watch that, and how could you not fall in love with Mew? And then you hear Mewtwo giving these long speeches about the meaning of life, and you're like, I have also fallen in love with you, unfortunately. <sighs> Although I didn't appreciate that growing up. I actually didn't. It, it went oh, over no? my head at first. Mm-mm. <laughs> the message went over my head first. I, always, I don't know. I expected more battling. But, it, you know, it's kind of oh. the message was obviously opposite. So, But I appreciated yeah. it more as I grew up, though. It is funny. That first movie made some bizarre choices as a movie that was really representing the Pokemon franchise. It really was like, we're actually not going to include a whole lot of battling that looks cool and isn't like brutal and makes you want to cry. Here's really strong messages that you're not going to be able to fully appreciate and absorb instead. Although I will always say that vacation song from the, was it the Pokemon? Ah, oh, Pikachu's Pikachu Vacation. Thing, that yeah. song, every time I go anywhere, usually like for a GoFest, I always play that song to start off every single vacation because it does not feel right if I don't play that Pokemon Vacation song. I love that so much. That makes me so happy. I'm stealing this idea immediately, David. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Vacation's where I want to be. Yep. Me? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. So, you know, obviously you're known for is your baking side. And, you know, before we dive into how you mixed that with Pokemon, like what made you want to start baking? It was in 2011, Cake Boss first started airing on TV. And this whole cake decorating thing first became really popular. And I, I remember seeing this Howdini.com video on how to make a rubber ducky cake. And I was like, this is phenomenal. I have one of my good friends collects rubber duckies. I'm going to make her a rubber ducky cake for her birthday. And I had so much fun making this cake. I decided like, ah, oh, for my like sibling's birthday, I'm going to make a cake. And for this friend's birthday and for the next friend's birthday, he was a big Pokemon fan. I was like, wait a second, can I make some Pokemon cupcakes? And 
the world opened up. I posted them to one of the Pokemon forums I was on, and someone jokingly said, you should make the first 151 Pokemon as cupcakes. And my mind was blown. My 80th chakra opened up, and I knew that I had to do this. <laughs> so I started a Tumblr blog called the Cupcake Dex, where I decided I was going to make the first 151 Pokemon as cupcakes. And that was, I think, 2014? Oh my god, 10 years ago. Was it a particular Pokemon you did for the cupcakes, or was it just like a Pokeball? I asked my friend what his favorites were, and I remember he said, like, it was like Mewtwo and Gardevoir and Greninja, so I, like, made them, and then I also did, like, Froakie and a few others to just kind of pad it out, and I used the Pokemon Shuffle sprites from the 3DS, if you remember those? Mm -hmm. Just, like, it's kind of just their faces, so super simple. I just made them all as, like, icing transfers. And I just had so much fun that that was how I decided I would also do the cupcake decks where they're all 100% made of icing. They're 100% edible. It's really fun. You get you just use icing to trace an image and then you freeze it and you plop it out and it, it just comes out as this like firm little like Pokemon face that you plop onto a cupcake. It's so cool. I love it. And eventually you Thank branched you. out to the other desserts, right? Yeah. At first, I thought I was just going to be making cupcakes. And then this group that I was in called Fandom Foodies, which was a whole bunch of other bakers who baked creations from like video games and books and movies. They were doing these different monthly themes where every month would be a different theme that everyone could contribute to. So, you know, it was like a Redwall theme, a Cats theme, a Nightmare Before Christmas theme. And then there was a Pokemon theme. And I knew... Well, I got to contribute to this. And I decided to make candy from the, at the time, newly released Pokemon Go. So I made like Charmander, Squirtle, Pikachu, and Bulbasaur candy. It was so much fun that I was like, well, maybe the cupcake decks can post things other than cupcakes. And I basically have not been able to stop ever since. (laughs) (laughs) You've been very dedicated, especially when people watch your Twitch streams. Like you dive into different things besides cupcakes. You do cakes. Um, One thing that I really love that I wanted to let you know, I really Mm -hmm. love the Swablu shaved ice you did. Like it looks so beautiful. I don't know if it looks like it tastes good too. It looks like a... Almost like a blue coconut almost. Oh, that's what it reminded me of. (laughs) Thank you. That was a fun one. Yeah. So I started streaming on Twitch where I now make my Pokemon treats live every single week. Whereas before that, it was like maybe once every three, four weeks I would make something new. But now it's every single week. And I had to make something from Pokemon Cafe Remix, obviously. And that Swablu shaved ice looked so good. So we made like shaved ice from scratch. We made ice cream from scratch. It was so cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really tasty and very, very, very melty. (laughs) I bet. Uh, So wait, did it melt real quick? Like it wouldn't last long staying out or? It would not last long at all. Every time on my live stream where I decide I'm going to make some kind of summery treat using like ice cream or shaved ice or anything cool like that, it winds up being a heat wave that exact day. Oh, no. You know, the whole idea is, let me at least be able to assemble the whole thing and take a photo. And there are some days where I can't even do that. (laughs) So, I'm in Canada. We shouldn't be getting this kind of weather. And I was going to say, that's supposed to be cold up there. How's it a heat wave up there? (laughs) Look, I'm not mad. Our summers here are beautiful. But gosh darn it, not when I'm baking, please. When you go into trying to make these Pokemon creations, you know, beyond the cupcakes or even cakes or whatever, how do you design it? Like, do you try to do a plan beforehand and try to put it into mind or do you like draw it out? 
That's an awesome question. I've really run the gamut. Before I started streaming, I started to create this like list in Excel of different Pokemon treats that I wanted to make. And it's currently sitting at like 80 different treats long. I would just be inspired by anything. Sometimes I'd be scrolling Instagram and see like, that's a really cool concept for a tart or a cake. I wonder if I could do that. Or sometimes I'd just be like looking at a Pokemon and thinking, I'll bet you could be a pie. I'll bet I could turn you into a pie. (laughs) (laughs) But that said, uh, since I stream on Twitch, I have to make something every single week. And sometimes, look, at this point, I'm kind of tired of looking at that list that's now like multiple years old of those like 80 plus treats. You know, there's also new Pokemon out now and like Mm -hmm. new events. So sometimes I want to do something that's, you know, related to the new Pokemon Go Community Day or a Pokemon that was just announced. And so it's always this question of like, what is inspiring me at any given time? And certainly there are times where it is like trying to draw blood from a stone where I just, you know, my live stream is coming up. I have to figure out exactly what I'm going to be making because I got a plan in advance. And it's not until like two hours before I go live that I know... Okay, I am going to make like a Sharpedo dessert where like I'm going to dip chocolates and straw. Ch- nope, I'm going to dip strawberries in chocolate. And I'm going to decorate it to look like Sharpedo and I'm going to make little glasses full of blue jello so it looks like he's in the ocean. And that's what I'm going to do. Sometimes deadlines are the best creative juice you can ask for. So do you have the recipe and you just mold it into Pokemon? Yeah, is that kind of how it works? That's typically how it is. Sometimes it's, okay, there's like this kind of cookie recipe, but I want to give it that type of flavor or this type of mix-in. Or, you know, I want to use that kind of icing instead of this kind of icing. But typically, I'm honestly really bad at creating my own recipes. So I kind of just go online and try to get inspired. I get recommendations from friends or even from chatters on Twitch of what we should make sometimes. It's wonderful. It's super helpful. And recipe creation is such a whole other beast. If I were to try to design my own recipes, whew, that would be a whole other ballgame. I'm happy to make recipes that are tested and tried and true, and I know that they're going to more or less come out, assuming I can follow the recipe properly, which, you know, we do our best. We're live Mm. on Twitch. We're, you know, mistakes happen uh, (laughs) not infrequently. (laughs) That's half the fun. Well, that was actually another question I had because before you used to bake in private before Twitch. You know, you would post mm-hmm. on like Pokemon and Mimo, you'd post on Tumblr and stuff like that. Yeah. So there you can kind of like if you made a mistake, you could kind of clean it up. Twitch, of course, it's live. You can't really like, oops, it happened, it happened. Like, mm-hmm. did you have to kind of adjust to that to where like, oh, if it I make a mistake, I make a mistake, I can't do anything about it? Oh, totally. When I first first started on Twitch, I thought, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to bake a cake in advance so that while like I'm going to bake the cake quote unquote on stream, I'm going to actually put that in the oven. And then I'm going to magically, as if with TV magic, I'm going to make a cake appear from below the table, like on a cooking show. Ah, magic. (laughs) Uh, And that way I know it's done and it's ready and all that. The thing about that method is that it makes it makes you create double the amount of food <laughs> and it takes double the amount of time. It's not efficient. And I don't want to give up my entire Sunday to streaming. I need to have a little bit of a life too. So we do it live. Sometimes we mess up. And the great thing about streaming on Twitch is you have a whole audience of people to tell you that you're doing it wrong. You should do this instead. Why are you cupcake decks? Come on. I'm having a panic attack over here. Oh, my God. 
So it, it really is like actually genuinely helpful having chatters who are able to give advice, including like we have some very talented like bakers and cooks in our chat who do like hang out. And I'm so grateful to have their advice because otherwise it's just like, oh, the show must go on. Just this past Sunday, I was using a blender and realized that the little rubber ring of the blender was not in the very safe position that it should have been and instead got ground up by the blender blades. So we had to spend a good 10 minutes just fishing through our muffin batter to make sure that there weren't any pieces of silicone just kind of floating around in there. Well, it adds protein, doesn't it? (laughs) It don't add protein. Do not add silicone. I do not not endorse that. (laughs) That's, you know... We all got to make our own decisions about what we consume, right? (laughs) Hey, I'm just trying to avoid a lawsuit. So, (laughs) You've been listening to As the Pokeball Turns. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Speaking of Community Day, one thing that you would do is, I remember you used to host like art prizes. Yeah, so the first couple ones I did uh, hand-drawn art prizes that I would draw ahead of time and bring with me, and then I had a bunch of categories for them. And then I had a couple prizes later where it was art prints. I think I did keychains once with Charizard that I had drawn on them. Drew the little pouty Gibble. You know, I had a bunch of merchandise prizes that we did pretty early on when Shiny Gibble was super rare, and I love the Pouties. I need to do more of those. To hear the rest of this story, listen to Trainer's Eye number 22. The Art of Casual Play featuring Charlie. Now let's get back to the episode. What's interesting, you know, your wife. Miss Editor, re- yeah. Yeah, she's the editor behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So how did y'all, like, manage camera angles and trying to get a show together? Because I'm sure she has to move things around when you have to go to the oven and backwards and all that stuff. Oh, man. So our setup is one that we have perfected over the past four years of streaming. I'm so lucky that my wife is like a professional filmmaker, essentially, specifically an editor, but she's worked with cameras for years professionally. So we have one front-facing camera and one top-down camera. And when we first started streaming, she was behind the camera. She would zoom in on whatever I was making and zoom out and focus on my face and focus on the food. And it was just totally untenable. Over the years, we had to just like really nail down what is our setup going to be. And we still revisit it because right now, you know, there are points where I'm just going to be off camera because the setup is just in our dining room, mm-hmm. not in our kitchen. So there's a lot of points in the show where I just have to get up. I have to get something from the oven. I have to do some dishes and I'm simply not on camera. We have tried setting up cameras in pointing down into the kitchen and it just hasn't worked so far. We have a very small little one bedroom apartment and getting more cameras cameras so far it's just really difficult setting up for a stream is no small task if you're just doing a gaming stream it's a lot easier you typically have like a webcam on your computer you have your microphone kind of set up stationary at your desk but when you're doing a baking stream you're not at your desk well well, i mean you could be but i wouldn't recommend it frankly you need a set (laughs) you really need a set for it so we have to there's a lot of moving things around there's a lot of setup It used to take an hour to set up a stream and an hour to take down the stream. We've thankfully integrated after all these years, we've like put lights into the walls. We have a permanent arm that comes out of one wall that holds the camera. We have a stand that sits right by the entrance to the kitchen that holds the main camera. 
And it, it works. Blessedly, it works. It's what is currently sustainable. But we're always looking for ways to improve this stream and to make it better both for ourselves and for the audience. We want it to be like fun and dynamic and like, you know, an exciting, fun place to be and interesting to watch. So one thing that your passion for both Pokemon Baking brought was you actually got to host your own contest, which was the Pokenoms Challenge back in 2019. <laughs> oh my god, you've done your research, oh my god. I try, I try. <laughs> what was it like? Because that was your first ever contest you ever hosted, right? That was super interesting. I worked with a good friend who was also a Pokemon baker at the time. He goes by Aquat the Waylord. He's made phenomenal, like super duper creative Pokemon treats as well. It was so cool, like, just saying, like, hey, world, come on, make some Pokemon treats. And they <laughs> did. And they were so fun and creative. I, I love any opportunity to see it. When I, when I first started Pokemon baking, it was, like, me and a quad and, like, you know, the odd, like, you know, Pokemon cake here and there. But not very a lot of niche. people were making it. Yeah. yeah, it was very, very niche. And now in 2024, there's like a few people who have kind of also come into the niche of Pokemon baking, both in North America and like, I think my friends in Brazil. There's also like amazing Japanese Pokemon food artists. Like, it's like a whole little, not quite community. I I want us to all be closer. I wish we were all a little bit closer, but like... Mm -hmm. Such a phenomenal cohort of artists working with like such a unique medium making such cool stuff. And any time that anyone makes something like unique Pokemon food related, whether like you've done a hundred of them or this is like your first time baking, it's so exciting. You can see, you can tell how excited folks are to be like, I don't really work in the kitchen much, but like, you know, I tried making this with like a recipe I'm familiar with or a recipe I wasn't familiar with. And like, I love the results and I feel more empowered to bake. And that is the coolest to me. Like for people to feel empowered to try something new that like feels creative and then also is creatively nourishing. I think that's so exciting. And that to me is like part of the dream is can we like, let's get more people making their own food and like do doing it in fun, engaging ways that, like, appeal to our own, like, creative personal niches. That's what it's about. One thing that you've alluded to is you've played Pokemon Go. What was it like when you first started playing, or when did you start playing? I, of course, was playing immediately. I remember I was, like, theorizing with friends what Pokemon Go was going to be like. I joined the Silph Road in excitement over how the, the whole thing was going to work. So the second that, like, APK dropped in Canada, I was downloading it. Like, I remember I was, like, at the hospital, like, da- like for a family member. And I was like, oh, oh my God, APK just dropped. <laughs> I have to download it. <laughs> so I downloaded it and I got literally, like, my siblings, every friend. I was like, you got to play this. Here, there's a Pidgey. You catch it. You catch it. It's just like this. Just and it was so much fun. We had the really popular park where like I'm a champ was spawning every so often and like people were like, oh my god, Aerodactyl and the, the, the whole crowd just running for it. Those were such exciting days. The church nearby decorated their windows with like the different Pokemon Go team colors and was giving out water bottles. It was really exciting times and I was like organizing meetups like immediately within my city just like let's all get together and like do a raid train for Articuno Day. 
And of course, like, you know, things dipped and rose, especially here in Canada. The summertime is always like the place and the, the time to play. And then winter, things fall off a little bit. But that first summer in 2016 was so magical and so special. And the closest thing to that really is like the Pokemon Go Fest events. Like mm. that has been so special. I've loved being able to go to that, getting to like interact with so many other Pokemon fans, like seeing everyone get so hype. Oh my God, there's a perfect star you over here. Everyone, come on, come on, come on. It was, ah, <laughs> uh, that like energy is like just so like electric, if you'll for- forgive the pun. And I, I love being around that. And it's so much fun. And I, I love the way it brings people together, that it gets people chatting and just gets you outside and exploring. It's, oh, I love Pokemon Go so much. For all its faults, it's a great game. So you said you would host readups for like raids, like you said Articuno Day. So like people would come out and y'all would, would y'all walk? Would y'all drive or? Yeah, we were walking, especially in those early days. We would find like a, you know, kind of like a downtown spot to meet up and just Mm -hmm. like, all right, everyone, let's like go and do a raid train together. And we would just go from one spot to another, trying to make sure that everyone got in. All right. Do we have enough groups? Do we need to split off? How are we going to do it? We have the one girl in the corner who every time she clicked on a Pokemon, would yell shiny and he'd be like ah and then she'd be like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) get me every single time oh she would fake y'all out every every time and she was good at it oh oh my gosh she'd be a good poker player she, she would Oh, I love that kind of thing. I love that, like, exploring together. I, I haven't really done the car raid train, even though probably that would be the best way to do it during these awful Canadian winters where it's just so cold. Why is it so cold? I know, right? <laughs> like, can't we just stay inside? And yeah. They just need to build an entire city just inside, you know? That way I don't have to be affected by the winter. Exactly. Is that so much to ask? So you mentioned about how you like to go to GoFest. Yeah. I know you got a chance to go to the one in 2019, I believe, in Chicago. Yeah, that was really cool. That was the last year that they held it in Chicago. I think it was their third year, if I'm not mistaken. So they'd hammered out all the different like issues and details and all the things that you know people hated the first couple of years. So things were really lovely. Things went very smoothly overall, other than the fact that I was playing on Saturday and there was a tornado warning. So they shut the event down. They sent us all back to our hotels. And of course, after 10 minutes of, you know, sitting around the lobby, they're like, okay, the event's open again. But you know what? We got a makeup day once we got home, and that was not bad. I was not, not mad about that. But I think my favorite part about Chicago Go Fest was also just, like, the people. I was with the Silk Road at the time, and they hosted a Saturday night after party, which was, like, so cool. All the, like, Pokemon content creators were there. There was, like, pizza and, like, competitions and, like, PvP. It was, like, the first big trophy for, like, the PvP thing that I still know almost nothing about. But, like, the energy was just so exciting and so much fun. And the event went probably until 3 or 4 in the morning. <laughs> because those battles, those, those battles can last a while, apparently. And then that same summer, we actually had the first and still only Canadian Pokemon Go event, which is a Safari Zone in Montreal, Quebec, which was really cool. So that was like, okay, right off the the steps of Pokemon Go Fest, like truly a month later was this event. And it was so cool. I think still the only Canadian event. And that was a lot of fun getting to have all these content creators in our neck of the woods 
We also planned a party, and it was so cool having a whole bunch of folks here. I think there were also, yeah, there were also raid trains. I don't think they had any locals, so we kind of started off in like an area that didn't have any raids. So we had to walk for 20 minutes just to find the first raid. This like huge group of 100 people. It was wild, but oh, it was so beautiful and so much fun. I know you got to just go to Seattle, but then you also got to go to New York. Which out of the two was your favorite between those two? Ooh, Seattle. New York is lovely. I I loved getting to visit New York, especially because it was our little mini honeymoon, which was so much fun. And we had a great time because we hosted picnics both at the Seattle Pokemon Go Fest and New York Pokemon Go Fest for Cupcake Dex fans and for other content creators. The the picnic that we hosted in New York was so special because it was our honeymoon and people like brought us gifts and congratulated us. It was so special. Aww. It was so lovely. It was really, really a special day. But I have to admit the actual playing of Pokemon Go at this location, which was a park on an island, was not good. <laughs> We took a ferry there, and thank goodness we did, because walking onto that island or driving onto that island seemed like a nightmare. And the park itself didn't have a lot of shade, and my wife needs to, like, sit down a lot. There wasn't a lot of places to sit. It it was just kind of a rough experience. Whereas contrasted to Seattle in 2022, that was phenomenal. That took place in this, like, really nice tight area that had the Seattle Space Needle, that had the Museum of Pop Culture and a bunch of other really cool locations, all in, like, this really great sort of downtown spot that was, like, super easy to get to, totally beautiful. I I thought that Seattle was hard to beat. It was just so gorgeous and so much fun. And again, just like really nice and compact. You can walk the whole circuit in no time at all. Whereas New York, I don't even think we were able to walk the whole thing. It was just too big, funnily enough. <laughs> what well, I don't know if you heard in Seattle, but I also love the conductor when he says, Welcome to Seattle, Pokemon trainers, or something like that on the train. Oh, that was so fun. Was that on the monorail? That I believe was- so, yeah. Oh, I love those little touches. To me, what also makes Pokemon Go events so special and exciting, and at least it seems like more Pokemon events are doing this, but the theming makes me so happy. Having the like different environments, having especially the little Pokemon statues or like standees that you can take photos with or the blow-ups, uh, those are just so much fun. And then things like the London Championships from a couple years back looked so special because they were kidding out every everything Pokemon themed, the con hall, the gondolas, like everything was just like so strongly themed. And I'm just such a sucker for that. I absolutely love those like fun photo ops and those like really immersive elements that feel like, oh, we've like brought the Pokemon world into the real world. Like for real. This is I so know, cool. right? Yeah. It's those small details that you just like geek out over when you see it. Yeah. Like, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, it just makes it it makes these things that just live in fantasy and within fiction like kind of real for just a moment and that's just so special now in regards to you hosting picnics you know as cupcake decks what was it like to kind of have people who watched your stream you got to meet them in person and those who appreciate what you do was it kind of weird or do you feel kind of oh, it's, it's my favorite thing obviously i am a very uh, not a very anxious person i'm a medium anxious person I certainly was nervous about it, but the thing I was nervous about was like, are we going to have enough food? Are we going to be able to find a good spot to set up? Is is everyone going to be able to get here okay? 
not so much like the the people are the exciting part that I'm not so worried about. Like I I coordinated with a bunch of other like con- like Pokemon content creators who I'm friendly with. I'm so I all I am is excited to meet them. Like it's going to be phenomenal. And then getting to meet fans, that part is mind-blowing. Like so much in the past, like I I love getting to meet like people I know through Pokemon who I typically only know online. Getting to meet them in person is so so special to me. It's a different relationship when they're like viewers and fans, and it's it's so interesting hearing someone say that like you know someone look at you face to face and say like I watch you like every week or like I admire you or like you know you are just a dose of sunshine when I'm having a tough day like oh it's it's so hard to describe how special that is and like what an absolute honor that is I just want to be the kind of creator who like lives up to that and like can be a good person to meet and like can be a fun experience to also when you have that in-person interaction that is still like fun and special and makes you feel good and not just like, you know, the way that I so often approach a social interaction afterwards is like, did I do an okay job? Uh, Do they think I was weird? (laughs) You start overthinking it's like, oh, dude, I should have said this. I should have said this. They're going to think I'm mean or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do they think I'm awkward? The answer is yes, they think I'm awkward. But now <laughs> <laughs> it's about embracing the awkward. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, so what kind of food did you prepare for them? Like you said, a picnic. So did people like, did you bring the food or did it bring people bring their own food? Like, So every it was like a potluck, which was like my favorite thing. Oh, those are best. Yes. That's the coolest. So unfortunately, it will not. Unfortunately, slash fortunate. It was five days after the wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we didn't exactly have a lot of time to like cook or prepare food. And I felt so guilty about that going in. But my plan was we had made these wedding cookies as uh, these cookies as wedding favors. They were Pokemon cookies of my and Miss Edna's favorite Pokemon, Alchemy and Sylveon. And we had a ton of leftover party favors because no one took party favors at the end of the wedding. So we were able to bring them to New York and give them out at the picnic and be like, hey, here. Like this wedding part two. Here you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> the reception part two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. It, and that was really fun. We like tried to give them out. If I saw like other content creators I was friends with, it was a great excuse to give them all out. The worst part is I still have some. We weren't able to get rid of all of them. Wow, I still you have that some. many. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I spent multiple live streams baking these cookies, thinking, surely these will all get taken. Surely these will all get eaten. I'm making them from scratch. No. No. <laughs> but I'm at least. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> now, when it comes to mailing cookies, I do have a pretty terrible track record with that. So I can't make any promises. But you find me next go fest. That's a different story. I got you. Okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing we haven't touched on is your wedding, actually. And oh. I wasn't planning on touching it, but actually I think it's a good point. Because you told me earlier your weddings were all your online friends got to come in that you met on the Pokemon community, right? They all came yeah. inside your wedding. What was it like to kind of have them join you in one of your special moments? Or join you in one of the person's special moments right there? People you've met online, people you've t- connected with. That was so special. 
We had a total of like five internet friends who were able to make it from like all different corners, from the States, from Iceland. It was so, so special. And it was one of the things I was looking forward to the most was getting to see those friends. So shout out to Dragonfree and Negrek. The first time I got to meet them was actually for a different online friend's wedding. Wow. That's <laughs> in crazy. Yeah, in 2014, our good friend Act invited us to her wedding, and it was the first time we all got to meet in person. It was so spectacular, so, so special. And every summer, we tried to meet up. At least, like, some part of this group tried to meet up every single summer. And in 2019, we were like, oh, I don't think it's going to work out this summer, but summer 2020, here we come. We're all going to get to meet up then. It's going to be great. And then a, a pandemic hit. I don't know if you heard about this. <laughs> I heard something in the news about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it made the headlines for a little bit. So we didn't get to do our thing until the summer of 2023 for the wedding where we were like, this has to work out please like we made sure to tell them first what the date of the wedding was so that they could like clear their schedules make sure they could travel and i'm so so glad they did it was so phenomenal and then we were able to invite another internet friend who happened to be in town who we'd met up with in japan of all places she was like hey dex i'm gonna be like in your area is there anything to do the weekend of august 13th and i was like well, <laughs> would, you, would you like to come to our wedding? <laughs> and she said yes. No pressure. It was so lovely. Yeah, none, <laughs> none pressure. It, it was so special getting to spend that time with these friends who'd come from so far away, who I get to see so rarely. It's like such a treat to get to see them. I love that. Like, and it, again, these are friends who I've had since like 2008. I know that not everyone believes in, like, internet friendships being the same as, like, in-person friendships, and certainly there are differences, but I think there's such a special relationship and so much value in, like, being able to have friends from all corners and being able to just, like, have one silly little thing to bond over. You never know what can come of those kinds of friendships, and they can be some lifelong ones, for real. And that's the beautiful thing about Pokemon is it allows you the opportunity to make friends both in person and online. And it yeah. just takes that one little small interest that y'all share to make a yes. friendship that lasts for, in your case, 15, 20 years. Yeah, it's wild. It's so, so special. And, you know, th those were the friends who were there for me in like some of my darkest, like loneliest days as a teenager. And the fact they've stuck with me after seeing all the drama, after uh, <laughs> all the imperfect decks that they have witnessed that like, you know, they're still around. You don't get friends like that often. It's it's so special. And I, I just hope everyone has the opportunity to make those kinds of friends. So if you see someone posting some cool Pokemon fan art or talking about something like talking about competitive in a way that like really sparks an interest, like start a conversation. You never know where it's going to go. Well, Cupcake Dex, thank you for coming on the show. You've been a wonderful guest. If people want to check out your content, if they want to connect with you, where can they go? By all means, please plug away. Thank you so much, I stream on Twitch doing Pokemon baking every single Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's twitch.tv slash decks. Come and join us. Learn some stuff. Joke around. Watch me mess up. It's always a good time there. Otherwise, if you just want to see my Pokemon baking, you can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, on Facebook. 
I'm Cupcake Ducks on all those places, and if you want to see daily Pokemon food, not just mine, but from other people too, you can follow my Tumblr. That's right, I have a Tumblr at uh, tumblr.com slash Cupcake Ducks. And lastly, if you want to see some of my writing, I just just started a newsletter. You can follow me at substack.com slash at Cupcake Ducks. Cool beans. And I'll make sure to include links to everything she said in the description of today's episode. Thank you for listening to As the Pokeball Turns. If you want to support the show, consider becoming a Patreon by either clicking the link in the description or going to patreon.com slash as the Pokeball Turns. Now, if you aren't able to support the show financially, you can always support the show by sharing it with your Pokemon community because this show wouldn't exist without listeners like you. Now, here's a sneak peek for the next episode of As the Pokeball Turns. Well, HM London, you've been a wonderful guest. I do have one last segment I do have planned for you. Sure. So I need <laughs> you to go back to your younger days. Go back to when you're trying to run to try to guess who that Pokemon is. We're going to play 